Welcome to the Season 5 finale of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 22, which is titled Getting to Know You. The episode aired on May 20th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? Well, we are three days away from Lauren's seventh birthday at this time. Party. Happy birthday, little seven-year-old me. Um, I would also like to note, we are ending season five. It has been a little over two years since we started this weird-ass experiment. What? Four more to go. Probably. At least. Years? I thought you meant four? seasons. No, I was like, <laughs> what? No, four more years of this. Four more years. Four, four more, more years. years. <laughs> okay, headlines. Uh, Millennium, the third album from the boy band Backstreet Boys debuts. Did you really have to put boy band in there? Some people maybe who live in odd countries may I, have not have heard of them. Uh, <laughs> we cater to an international audience here at that's right. the Tone. The album would go on to be one of the best-selling albums of all time, selling over 30 million copies. I have a weird connection to this. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, geez. So, I want to hear this. Uh, and this also sparked a really weird memory that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Uh, a friend of mine in elementary school uh, mm-hmm. had what was presumably his 10th birthday party because uh, mm-hmm. we were, I think, in about fourth, fifth grade or, or around this time. Um, had his birthday party, a made his birthday party a listening party for this very album. <laughs> so try to imagine, try to imagine a room full of about, you know, 12 to 15, nine or 10 year old boys just listening to millennium by backstreet boys as they eat cold pizza i somehow completely understand the way that why you are the way that you are i think about that a lot actually and i hope that kid's okay because we lost touch very shortly after that he was a military kid moved away and i'm like i i just hope that kid's okay because the absolute gall of this kid to like force (laughs) a dozen other 10 year old boys to sit around and listen to the Backstreet Boys Millennium it, album in its entirety. It's a power move. This was one of the first CDs that I owned as a kid. Like in my little CD player with its with its anti-skip function. <laughs> God. The I peak of technology. So ha- I remember being so happy to get one of those because whenever I would walk around with my old one, it, skip, would, it would be awful. Skip. Yeah. Uh, the first ever Major League Soccer Stadium is completed in Columbus, Ohio, and to this day is the home field for the Columbus crew. The first Star Wars movie in 16 years, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, starring Liam Neeson, famed ER guest star Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Jake Lloyd, and Ian McDermott, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office for the week. I would like to point out two days, and it took the top spot. It was only out two days in the <laughs> week that, that the site I use well, measures. Yeah. May 19th and May 20th. It was kind of a big deal. I mean, yeah. didn't, didn't you see the Taco Bell commercials? It oh, was kind of a you, big deal. <laughs> didn't you see the Pepsi cans? The Pepsi and, cans, yeah. And Live in La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin is still the number one song. And I would also like to piss off some a lot of people by saying, episode one, the best of the prequels. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's certainly not the worst. It's it is it gets a lot of unfair shit. We did a we did an ancient TPC episode about it back in the day, uh, where I think I made the case that it is one step to the left or right of a good movie. Like there's a good movie in there if you squint hard enough, but there's just they just made all the wrong choices along the way. If you but, follow through on making Jar Jar a Sith, then I not so much. I, I gotta say, 
I really enjoy going back and listening to some of those old TPC episodes, Daniel. I'm glad somebody does. It wasn't me. It's me. It's me. All right. What else is on, Daniel? Uh, what else is on? Uh, we had two. It's a night of season finales, as you might imagine, being that this is the end of season five. Uh, at 8 p.m., friends with the two-part episode, The One in Vegas. Uh, some of the friend stands will have to tell me what happens on this one. Uh, quick Google search. Uh, only gave me the insight that this episode is usually in the rankings lists of all the Friends episodes is usually listed somewhere near the bottom. So it must not have been a particularly well-received two-parter. But I don't know. I'm I'm happy to be corrected. Let the the Friends stand sound off for me. Uh, And then at 9 p.m., another two-parter, Frasier with the uh, two-part episode Shut Out in Seattle. Uh, Again, not able to really – not being a huge Frasier person myself, not really able to glean what exactly – happens in this episode uh but it seems to be a little bit more well received than does that uh, trigger any memories lauren it, re- it reminds me that i gotta go back and finish my fraser rewatch uh in terms of viewers this week we had 32.6 million tuning in for the season five finale this week's episode is directed by jonathan kaplan doing his eighth out of 40 previous ones of his from this season were rites of spring middle of nowhere and hazed and confused and this week's episode is written by Lydia Woodward doing her 19th out of 27. Previous ones of hers were Choosing Joy, Good Luck Ruth Johnson, and Day for Night. And before we get started with the episode, I'd like to just take take a brief moment and just say thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for supporting us through this through the first f- uh, five seasons. I never thought we'd get here. I thought we would crash and burn somewhere in season like two or three. What? <laughs> but we made it. You guys love it. We feed off your energy. Please. We can we can gush more on the wrap-up. Yes, we'll gush more on the wrap-up, but just thank you. Uh, and our previously on this week is brought to us by Mark. And uh, we lead off with a kind of a weird scene. Uh, Jeannie's walking off the L and Reggie flags her down in, like, the police, like, flashing your lights thing. Thing that... Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a weird way to do it. And <laughs> Lauren says, I can't tell if them flirting is cute or not. Because they're like, oh, am I under arrest, officer? And it's just like... I think it's because of our, like, 2021 lens. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, and I, would, I was going to say, all cops are bastards. That includes Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> if, he was, if he had any job other than cop, if he was a firefighter, if he was yeah. a mailman, mm-hmm. if he was any other profession on the planet, I think we would have a different opinion of him because I, say- I do think these two have undeniable chemistry. Yes. The only cop that gets a pass is Al Gabarski. <laughs> Al, Al Gabarski. <laughs> uh, so let me go on to Benton and Reese in speech therapy. Um, Reese is doing really well, according to his language therapist, uh, Benton is going to have more time for therapy with Reese because he's taking the trauma fellowship and not the cardiothoracic. And the speech therapist says that, oh, you know, it's going to be really great with him coming in so often between you and Carla and Roger. Uh, no, no. Benton learns that Roger is coming in to work with Reese one or times a week as well. And is kind of like, oh, yeah, of course I knew that. Yep, thanks. Bye. Awkward. It is sort of, I mean, it is a, a growth thing for him, though, that, like, while he is taken aback, no no doubt, by that revelation, he still keeps Reese in the forefront of his mind, where he's, yeah. like, he's he's clearly a little bit perturbed at the notion that Roger is continuing to kind of worm his way into their life, but mm-hmm. he still remembers that it's ultimately good for Reese, so he's, like, okay with it at the end of the day. Yep. 
And he won't be okay with it by the end of the episode. Uh, well, that's, for com- a, that's for later us. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is a tiny toddler out on the corner in dirty clothes walking around near the street. And Carrie sees him and walks after him. He appears alone. He just super covertly steals a banana from a fruit stand. And not like he was intentionally stealing. Just he's a kid who grabbed a banana. Um, there are no adults nearby that claim him as their own. And the guy who runs the produce stand is like, where'd he come from? Whose is he? And Carrie's like, I'm not sure. And again, Carrie with children is 10 out of 10. Always give me Carrie working with kids. And we are in with bangs. And uh, we get to the like the the comedy. Is a comedy plot? <laughs> I don't know. But like... And the administrative plot. Yeah, the administrative plot for the episode is that uh, there's a code system on the phones now because Peter needs to dial an outside line and is getting very frustrated. And Jerry explains the code uh, that they need a code now basically because Romano sucks and doesn't trust any of them. Because um, it's like tied to your personal, like each individual has a code and they have to use their code to dial out, to cut down on personal calls or something. Accountability, yeah. Yeah, it's super big brothery shit. Um, Corday tells Jerry that she's looking for Mark and Benton was calling Carla because they needed to talk. So it's, you know. Time for time for a pissing contest about Roger, we assume. Uh, and they're going to meet for lunch. And then we go over and we see Carrie bringing in the small boy from, from pre the intro. Uh, she's working on him in the trauma room with both Carol and Halle. Uh, it, he shows signs of being either lost or neglected. Uh, they suspect he may have been given opiates. Uh, they... Uh, Carrie gives him Narcan sublingually since they can't get an IV going on him because he's so dehydrated. Uh, And eventually he does react and starts to cry and is remarkably stoic. I mean, I guess since he is on opiates, I guess that might have something to do with it. But he is remarkably stoic as they're poking him with that needle under his tongue. Like he's does not squirm around at all. Uh, We then go from there. We see Lucy running around uh, trying to make it to rounds. Uh, She is 20 minutes late for her rounds with uh, Carter romano and mark um it's kind of a a little bit of a nonsensical bit from a hierarchical standpoint because she's the only medical student in this rounds (laughs) session like which has kind of been the case since the beginning of the season ever since we sent bernard off into the cosmos like they really haven't yeah they they really haven't been any other medical students to speak of um despite the fact that if you'll remember at the beginning of the season we had a whole dorm dedicated to all the medical students and now we're down to just lucy but no, um, they're not important it's okay that's right they're future doctor expositions um so she's asked to present the next patient and she is all over the place dropping her cards on the floor stammering her way through presentations just clearly struggling um and Romano kind of shames her for how much trouble she's having and, and Carter by extension for how poorly his student is presenting. And so as Romano takes his leave, Carter kind of tersely gets in her face and is like, if you're going to be late, at least be prepared. So he's continuing his shit crusade from last time uh, where clearly here it's uh, the, the clear implication is that Lucy has uh, tapered off her Ritalin to try to appease Carter and uh, it's not going great. And boy, this was a like, I I, I have seen this uh, it, with Nurse Jen. Like I, Nurse Jen, as I said, is a in, before has ADHD, struggles with it, takes medication for it, and you know you. This is definitely this is a very. I, I feel like she probably I should have asked her about it. Like I feel like she should have could have identified so heavily 
with what Lucy's going through, not only in this scene, but in this episode. Like, it just feels like she's she can't get out of first gear. Like, she just kind of stutters and can't quite get going this entire episode. Relatable. Yeah. And it's uh, someone, it's it's very well presented. Similar stuff. Not quite as bad as Nurse Shen, but... But it's it's very it's a it's a very um, authentic portrayal. Like there, it, sometimes with ADHD in media, particularly around this time, it could be presented kind of cartoonishly. Um, but this is actually, I feel like, a very authentic portrayal of what it would be like for somebody who has just decided to quit their meds cold turkey. It's uh, not good. Take your meds, kids. Yeah, especially your psychiatric medications. Ugh. Um. Then we go back over to the little kid. Uh, Reggie's around to help him find his parents, and they're gonna go get him. They're gonna go get him a a juice box, and he may have a nap nap, like Lauren want, always wants to do. I have a nap nap squad. Thank you very much. There are people who fully support the ju- the juice box and nap nap movement. Okay, including me right now. <laughs> Must be a recording night. Uh, but once once he, once he has an IV in, and he's feeling a little bit better, but. He can have a juice box and a snack. Um, and uh, Carol and Corday are talking about what happened that led him to be in the state. And Mark comes in and says, I remember to bring my tuxedo, but I forgot the tickets at home. And ooh, sounds like someone has a hot day. Ooh. Green day, green day, green day, green day. Wrong one, wrong one, wrong one. <laughs> there can be two good things named green day. Uh, and Carol gives her the side. Uh, Carol gives her the side eye and asks what that was about. Uh, and then we go over to Jerry is looking for the camera for Carrie so they can photograph the little boy and you know do the whole search to figure to find his adults. Um, Lucy is missing her palm dock, and Carter goes, "Oh, lost your electronic cheat sheet," and shames her for being a mess. And she says she went off the Ritalin, and Carter's like, "Oh, well, that's great. Well, I gotta go do something. Bye." Fuck you, Carter. Mm. Ableist prick. Would that be ableist if he's shaming her for ADHD? Yeah, sure. I'd say. Why okay. the hell not? Or at least neurotypical. We can at least say yeah. neurotypical prick. Yeah. I want to make sure I get my terms right. I want to car- call Carter the correct kind of asshole. Uh, but then uh, Antoine's back. He comes in. He got uh, beat up. Rough day. Uh, Mom insists that he doesn't associate with gangs, but he is. But she is very excited to meet Carter. Uh, he's nervous because his face is a little roughed up, and his hands are too. And there's blood all over his shirt. He, he might have a broken nose. We don't, they don't think so, but um, blood is obviously coming from his nose. Um, he's very nervous about going to a summer science lab interview, all beat up. Uh, but he got mugged, and they took his wallet. And Carter pushes him to go to the interview anyway. Oof. Poor Antoine. He is in a rough way this episode. Uh, and Antoine's mom here, who is really only in this one scene, um, but she is played by a somewhat, oh, hey, it's that person, uh, Monet Mitchell, who appears in the movies 42, Dragonfly, and Matchstick Men. Then we go from there directly over to our next uh, scene slash patient, uh, a woman named Celinda Ratlett. Uh, she is medically empathetic, which I, they sort of take to mean almost psychic, I guess, when it comes to other people's medical conditions. Um, the, they're also treating the little John Doe boy in this room as well. So she says that the little boy won't be crying. And because of her 
abilities. She can guess how someone is feeling slash doing. Uh, and she asks when Carol is due. I should point out that Lydia is in the room and we get an excellent like Lydia almost mugging to the camera kind of moment where <laughs> Lydia perks up at the idea that Carol might be pregnant. Ellen Crawford does some peak work this episode. We haven't had some like extreme Lydia character work in a while, but this episode for sure. Yeah. She is... She's, she brought her A-game for this one. Uh, so right after that little exchange, Carol uh, calls Lydia over to her side of the room and uh, asks Lydia to call Psych uh, to check on Miss Ratlett. Um, and she is played by actress Terry Garr, uh, by far and away the most recognizable, oh, hey, it's that person in this episode. Uh, she appeared in stuff like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Tootsie, and Young Frankenstein, which is certainly where I uh, recognized her from. Uh, 159 credits to her name. Um, she is still with us, but is largely retired since 2011 due to um, she has MS, uh, and Aww. so that has. Who was, she, who was she in Young Frankenstein? She was um, the the pretty one. I can't remember the the character's name. Oh, okay, name. the female lead. Yes, the female lead. That's not Cloris Leachman. Gotcha. Yeah. So she um, very funny, very very funny actress. Very very. Um, very talented uh and like i said it's kind of a, a crime that we've been robbed of her stuff for the last decade now uh or more and even before that i think she had tapered off her work quite a bit um due to the ms so it's very unfortunate that um, sucks yeah but uh, we will see her a couple more times in the episode uh and then carrie is uh, gonna take some photos of the little boy using a absurd looking camera what the hell was that camera <laughs> yeah how could jerry not find that i thought he was looking for like one of those like uh disposable cameras yeah or something like that then maybe they just kept her around yeah that thing's like ginormous how can you not find it's super polaroid it, it looks like she's picking up like a small uh computer monitor from that time and like <laughs> like kind of those uh those Macs that had the like colored backs like it, it, it looks kind of like that but just all one color and with handles on the side it's uh not not at all what I was expecting uh, I would love for a medical listener who was working in the field at the time to, to tell me whether or not that was an authentic camera for the time it reminded me of those machines when you go to the eye doctor mm-hmm. that, like, yeah to, like, look through it like in the pre-exam mm-hmm. yeah it did look where sort they, of like that where they poof in your eye I hate it the poof test i always have to do that one several times because i always fuck it up we uh, all do but yeah. uh Celinda says that cryptically he doesn't look lost he looks found okay can't just say weird stuff uh then corday and mark go over to doc magoo's and they're talking about their fundraiser date tonight at navy pier but are quickly interrupted because a car crashes and Mark shoves Elizabeth out of the way as they try to discuss if the fundraiser is actually a date or not. And this girl swerved the car from the passenger seat because it looks like her dad is seizing as they run up to the car to check on them. Cool. Oh boy. Great. And let's, uh, and then we go come back from commercial to the dad still seizing uh, Mark, Corday, and Malik are all working on him. They give him Ativan and Delantin, and he slowly comes, He slow, the seizure slowly subsides. Mark goes to talk to the daughter, uh, Sarah Bengasi. Bengasi. Sarah Bengasi. Um, and Luce, <laughs> Sorry, what? I shouldn't laugh at that. Bengasi. <laughs> oh. He's... You, you it's just it right, it's you said it right it's, you absolutely it's a weird said it right coincidence. I, I just oh, okay i just like, didn't saying it wrong? no until until i read it on the page i was like oh that sounds a little too close oh god okay that's fine yeah 
No, you're good. But shaming people for their le- uh, for the last names. Well before the scandal. Exactly. But then what happens? Uh, Lucy presents the case and is still all out of sorts. Uh, Mark is very cute trying to find out what happened. Uh, that, it turns out the dad has epilepsy, but he had been seizure-free for two years. Lauren, how long... How long did you say you have to be seizure-free before you can get a driver's license? It depends state to state, but here in Illinois and in Michigan, I believe they're both six months. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was longer than that. No, it's just because I don't drive and I'm at five years, so you just must think that... (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, Because this is one of my biggest fears. Oh, yeah. I can can imagine. Um, Yeah, but mom and the daughter had been trained on what to do if you had seizure... Seizure first aid, we love it. Um, Mark grabs Lucy to talk to her and asks if she's okay. <laughs> she tries to defend herself, and Mark just tells her to calm down and talk to him. Uh, question. Has it been more than six weeks since I've gone over seizure first aid? Do I need to do it again, or should I move on? I think we can move on. We can move on? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Reggie is out at the Roach Coach with Jeannie, and there is no news on little John Doe and finding his parents or his adults. And Jeannie is just really, really cute with Reggie, and I actually am really okay with them together in this moment. Now let's go over to our first audio clip of the episode. Uh, Chuni is taking a message for Carol at the at the admit desk. So we have to use this code first. Yep. And all the calls get charged to it. Right. So if I use the code for my phone at home... Yeah, good luck. I could use a little help here. Hello, ER. Nope, she's not here. Okay. McLucas has to cancel. Call to reschedule. Okay, I'll tell her. Anyone seen Carol? She's in curtain three. Her doctor's appointment was canceled. She needs to call McLucas. Oh, yeah, I know her. She was uh, Connie's OB when she had her baby. Did you say baby? You don't think she... Pop-tart in a toaster? Or that empathetic woman did ask about her due date. The what woman? Josh, did you hear anything about Carol being pregnant? By Doug Ross? Yeah, I'm sure it would be Doug. You know, McLucas is also a GYN. Maybe Carol's just going in for a checkup or a yeast infection. What is it? Jerry? I think Carol's knocked up. Wow. Is she happy about it? She hasn't told anyone. She must have told someone. What? It's such good nurse shenanigans. We hadn't had this kind of thing in a while. And I love that Jerry's like, she could just be going for a checkup. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry is honestly like the most progressive one in the bunch there. Like, Jerry is just like, this is none of our business. Like, we should stop gossiping about this. And my theory is because he did accidentally see part of that letter. Ooh, good headcanon. Quite possible. That is entirely possible. And even though he told Carol he didn't read it and he was respecting her wishes because he probably didn't mean to pry, when you're pulling a letter out of a fax machine, you're going to see part of it. Kind of hard not to. So I think he knew and was trying to cover for Carol. Way to be respectful of other people's privacy, Jerry. That's our boy. Our boy who we are, by the way, saying goodbye to for a while after this week's episode. We are losing. Oh, no. We are, we'll talk about it more on the wrap-up, but we are losing Jerry for a solid like two and a half, three seasons. Like can can we get Abraham back to cry with him for a bit? <laughs> he's like he's probably just celebrating. He's probably like finally I get a break from this fucking show. Um but yeah, no. I this is my f- probably might be my favorite scene in the whole episode actually. Like yeah. this just is Yosha's Yosha's by Doug Ross. Yosha's <laughs> my Yosha's my favorite out of this whole scene because there's a moment later in the episode where Carol comes up and he just silently goes over and grabs her hands and like basically blesses her and then walks away. <laughs> 
I missed it. It's my Damn favorite it. thing. Like he just walks up to her and like she, she's like holding holding a piece of paper or something, and he like grabs both of her hands and like just kind of gives them a squeeze and then walks away. And it's we, mm, Yosh. We all need that. But you get more Ellen being like you know sassy Ellen stuff. Like they they all do that incredible nonverbal take where they look at Mark and Mark gives it right back to him. Mm. What? Yeah. I have a question for the class. Yeah. Is Pop-Tart in the toaster no, real, a, a term that people actually I mean, use for being someone being pregnant? I don't think so. I think it's equivalent to bun in the oven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, that's an equivalent. I've never heard that. Oh, uh, yeah. I, it's not a popular nomenclature. But if you want to start it, sure, I'm here for it. Like, go ahead. Like, if you want to coin a term right here live, I'm, I'm here for it. Well, Chuny coined it 23 years ago, so yeah. I can't be, take credit for it at all. Well, that's fair. Yeah. But yeah, no. This is this is my favorite, probably my favorite scene in the whole episode. It is the clip that I used for this uh, this week's episode. Yes. So it it just I, I love when a good scene fits perfectly into that little one minute window that Instagram gives me. Like it's just mm, chef kiss. Uh, but we go from there. We see Carol sitting with the John Doe patient, the little boy. Uh, still no name on him. Uh, it turns out he did in fact test positive for opiates. And uh, they're still in that that larger exam room where they've got multiple beds. So Celinda is still in there. Uh, and she says from across the room that there's still something inside of him, though I don't know what it is. And she starts asking Carol if she's thought about names for the baby and uh, says that the uh, gentleman in the far bed has leukemia, uh, which Carol is like, yeah, but you could have read his chart. like. And she's like, yeah, I guess I could have. Like, she's very, She does a very good job of kind of like – you know, am I full of shit or am I not? I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So it begins. Benton's basically his storyline. I mean, it's already begun, but like. But he's really kicking kick, in. Ki- yeah, let's kick his his storyline into into the next gear. Uh, Benton is going to be talking with, in this audio clip. Uh, he's meeting Carla by the Chicago Theater. Hey, Carla, uh, look, I'm sorry I'm leaving. It's okay. I'm glad you called. I needed to talk to you. Yeah, uh... Look, um, I know I haven't... I haven't spoken to you about Roger working with... We some language, and... Martha called and told me about this morning. Yeah, look... I was angry at first, but, uh... Carla, I know you know the more anybody works with him, the quicker he's gonna learn, so... It's okay. Peter, Roger and I got married last weekend. Wow. There's a lot you haven't told me yet. His company is transferring him to Germany, Hamburg. I'm gonna sell the restaurant, and we're going. And I'm taking Reese with us. Carla, what are you? We're not gonna even have this conversation. Peter. You know what? There's no way in hell I'm gonna let that happen. Look, he's gonna have to be with one of us, and I'm his mother. This will happen. Will it, though? I'm sorry, that delivery. I'm his mother. Yeah, the whole delivery... Really, the delivery from both of them is quite subdued, actually. Like, it's... Yeah. Doesn't have quite the fire that it used to. Benton, I understand, because he's more in a cool rage and shock. But the way Carla does it, just, I'm his mother. Yeah. So yeah, this is going to be the knuckle knuckle drag out fight over the next 
couple seasons really yeah i want to say this resolves itself it's either season seven i think it's either late season seven or it may even bleed into early season eight i'm not sure like this this is this is what benton is going to be doing right yeah because there's really only like and i'm sure there are other small storylines i'm forgetting about but other other than a brief thing with jackie that will come up that is the big thing with jackie that will come up oh yeah other than that this is the only other notable thing I can really think of Benton doing the rest of the time he's on the show, pretty much. I mean, I'm, he. That's I'm, a really great storyline, the, right. the twists and turns it takes. Of course, yeah. No, it, it's an excellent storyline, and, and it deserves to soak up most of his time because it's a very you know big thing. And obviously him and Carter are going to have a lot of growth and development between now and then. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like storylines that are strictly Benton's, this is it. Like This is the big one that will carry him through almost to the end of his time on the show. So Yeah. Uh, not not great. Not off to a great start here. So buckle up, friends. <laughs> I, I was custody custody battles away. I was glad to see though that they uh, remembered to bring back up uh, Carla's restaurant. Like we didn't just completely yes. forget yeah. that in the cosmos. We were like, hey, this woman did actually have something to do once upon a time. I would also like to point out that she said Germany Hamburg, not Hamburg Germany. Yeah, I I, I don't know <laughs> if that's. It was a really strange way to phrase that. Like he's being transferred to Germany Hamburg. People in Germany, tell us, is that how you, uh, is that how you, like, mark your, your cities? Like, is that how you say it? Is it like, I'm from Lauren, Germany, you Hamburg. German? Are you from, I don't know. Lauren, do you study German? Is it? Uh, I don't think so. It sounds weird. Like, I believe they usually <laughs> refer to the provinces, not mm. necessarily, like, the full. It's, yeah, I guess. Oh, it's yeah, like, it's the whole country. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would, like, us being, like, America, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. No, it's Chicago, Illinois. Also, a G- German verb structure is, in general is weird, and the way they do their numbers is ass backwards to me. So to talk about like what might be weird to us might sound be totally normal to them, but for Carla to say it, it's weird to do it in English like that. No, it's messed up. Well, let's move on to our next audio clip then. Uh, Corday asked Mark to chat. Oh, Mark, do you have a minute? Uh, yeah, you want to talk about something? Yeah, I've moved Mr. Bengosi and his daughter Sarah to the exam form. That's what you wanted to talk about? Uh, <clears throat> no time like the present. All right. I want to talk about, uh, you know, what's been going on between us over the past few weeks. Something been going on? Come on, we're talking. Look, Mark, it's no big deal or anything. It's, it's just that... Carol. Oh, damn, I thought I locked that door. What are you doing? An ultrasound. On yourself? Yes, Mark. My uh, my doctor's appointment canceled and no one was using the equipment. Yeah, well, why don't you let us do it? Okay. If you must. Let me get it. Do you think it's too early to tell if it's a girl or a boy? It's never too early to be inaccurate. There's the heartbeat. Any turtle sign? Looking. Okay. There's the, uh, look. Uh-huh. What? Mark? What? Heartbeat. Yes, Mark. Elizabeth already said that. What? And what he means is there's another heartbeat. plot twist <laughs> excellent little music cue from mark martin there just yeah. that, that was beautiful music to set that too yeah 
very very solid and i know i complained about it earlier in the season of like we did the carol's pregnant thing like we did that like three times in a row to close an episode and it felt like they were trying to get it right or or maybe just trying to like cram it into our brains but i sort of wish that this ended the episode (laughs) like i sure this to me should have been the like the cliffhanger thing at the end of the episode not not cliffhanger because obviously it's not like it, it just should have been like the moment of the episode i think the hook for next right season. the hook that brings you back in for six and yeah to me it just sort of gets lost in the shuffle of the middle of this episode it's a genuinely great moment and i and i think if they'd have only done the one time that the, the like carol's pregnant revelation fine and then it turns into oh surprise it's carol has he's gonna have twins I think you could have done that. I think that's totally acceptable. Um, but maybe because they had overdone it so much earlier in the season that it felt like they couldn't do it again here. But like to me, like this should have been the, the moment that closed out the episode would have been us finding out that Carol was going to have twins. But, you know, it, it does lead to some other stuff later in the episode that I am glad we still get. So, you know, you six to one, half dozen the other. But yay, twins. Yay, twins. Woohoo. I'm sure that's totally doable as a single mom. Right? A, a, a nurse at that who works yeah, exactly. 12 hour shifts. No big deal. Not a problem at all. Uh, we go from there. Uh, Carol's grabbing a juice box, which, after a revelation like that, if there's ever a time for a juice box, it's after you find out you're having twins, you know? Like, go ahead and have that juice box, honey. Uh, ask Jerry what's up with Malik and why he's grinning so much. I forgot about Malik's <laughs> face during this. Like, <laughs> just such good nonverbal stuff. Uh, the whole nurses station admit desk is just grinning and just everybody everybody knows. But Carol and th- I think this is the part here where uh, Yosh comes up and just like grabs her hands and like squeezes them and then walks away. Like just blesses her and then walks away. It's my favorite thing. God bless Yosh. Um, <laughs> Anspa is also down there uh, and he complains about the code system and why he can't get an outside line. Hmm. Might this lead to my f- one of my favorite moments of the season? I'm not sure. Maybe we'll find out in a little mm. bit. Uh, Did we make get an audio clip of it? Hmm. When we see uh Mark and Lucy examining an X-ray, uh when Jeannie also is there, hears about a police officer that got shot by a guy on Madison waving a 45 around. Uh, this was a a uh, call that Reggie made mention of earlier that he was on his way to uh, after they parted ways earlier in the episode. Uh, so we're doing we're doing that uh, first responder thing again, where like somebody on the show dates a first responder, and uh, we just have to assume that they're the ones that got injured every time a an emergency happens, um, which I'm sure is, it has roots in real real life stuff. I'm sure that if you are somebody who dates an EMT or a cop or a firefighter. You probably do the same thing if there's a an emergency that happens. You probably assume that your loved one is the one that's in the, the line of fire. Uh, but it does sort of feel like a little bit of a trope when it's happening in the fictional world. And we have to do it every single time somebody is dating one of these. Carrie and Carol are working with our little John Doe. And they find a small scar from surgery. And he also has a shunt um, put in. And they say, oh, he maybe has a shunt infection. And that's what's causing him to not feel so good. Mm. Uh, and then Doris comes in with the the shooter of the fort, the guy who shot the cop. Um, the cop got sent to Mercy. Carter's going to show Lucy how to put in a central line, but uh, Psych calls for her. She was supposed to be working with Seth upstairs. Ugh. And 
Lauren for the season five finale. Whose films are those? Uh, turns out this guy's left ventricle is totally shredded as they open him up. Uh, the guy is just totally, he's dead. Splat. Yeah, he's very dead. Now Mark calls, they, they stop after like two minutes. And actually once they see that everything, everything's fucked up. Um, Mark calls the time of death. Reggie walks in and Jeannie's so relieved to see him. There's your trope. <laughs> uh, Carter, let's go talk about your students, says Mark. And Reggie was the one who shot the shooter, though. Mm. so we then go from there lucy goes up to psych uh to meet with seth uh and where is the attending that's supposed to be supervising her seems uh not no that the guy oh you, while he while he's doing the therapy while I was like, she's actually in the therapy yeah i was like we get the attending yeah. but yeah he will show up later in the episode but he's not in the room with her when he actually shows up uh she tries to you know, explain like, oh, we got caught up on a trauma and got delayed or whatever. And then she does come clean and she's like, actually, that's a lie. Sorry, I just straight up forgot about you, uh, which is not great. Uh, but it, especially for a foster kid with abandonment issues. Right. And he's very much like he's practically catatonic when she walks in the room. Like he has no emotion whatsoever until she gets honest with him and then tries to like push him. And when she tries to push him to open up, then he, like, explodes on her and gets very angry with her. Uh, so, not not great. We'll check back in with Lucy in uh, just a little bit. Uh, but for now, we go back down to the uh, admin desk where Mark is looking looking for the Lost and Now It's Ours box, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, Carol is also there, is emailing the little boy's photo to all of the neurospecialists that would have possibly done a shunt on him. Uh, I believe she says it's a list of like two to three hundred. And it seems that she, based on Jer- based on the way that Jerry says it, it makes it seem like she's emailing all of these people individually. Because she's like, he asks her how many there are and she's like, eh, about two to three hundred. And he's like, and you're on number what? So, like, she's going through and emailing these people one by one, which uh, doesn't seem very efficient. Um, Mark is doing a repair of a wedding ring around a chain for a woman whose ring he had to cut. And, of course, Elizabeth is there making kind of like, oh, isn't that sweet, but British, uh, at him, you know, (laughs) while he's doing this. Uh, And the whole time, all the nurses just keep grinning at Carol like this. the, The secret is very much out at this point. Uh, let's go to our next audio clip. Uh, Reggie and Jeannie are talking along the lake. His life was in his own hands, not yours. There must have been plenty of the cops out there. I don't know, my patrol car was closest. It's just random, I guess. Yeah, well, I don't think I believe in random anymore. You know, Reggie, when I told you that I was seeing someone else, I, that wasn't the complete truth. I just found out that I have hepatitis C. Uh, I'm responding to medication. It's under control. You don't think I could handle that kind of news? I couldn't handle that kind of news. I just kept thinking, why me? Why this on top of everything else? But after a while, I came to see that I wasn't sick. I was healed. I don't think I'm getting this. I think that God kept throwing things at me until finally I realized that it's not about what happens to us. It's about how we deal with what happens to us. We have choices. Our lives are in our own hands. So you think what happened today was some kind of message for me? 
Maybe what happened today didn't happen to you. Maybe it happened for you. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But I'm not sure it makes me feel all that much better. Sitting here feels pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it does. Getting a little weird and philosophical there, Jeannie. Yeah, for sure. When she was like, I was healed. Right? Like, she gets a little bit, like, hippy-dippy with it, and I'm just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It just seems very odd for Jeannie. Yeah. Especially, like, it would be one thing if we had had a few more episodes with that reverend. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, it's that one encounter, and then this. That Actually, that does bring up an interesting point. Like, that could have been a way to explain Jeannie's protracted absences this season, like, she could have had that moment with that reverend a few episodes right. ago and they could have, you know, said like, she's going to take some time off. She's going to take some, she's just, you know, feeling run down or whatever, like give, yeah. give her some space and then she can come back and be this more like enlightened, like philosophical side of herself. But instead right. it's just like, we've been left to assume that she's like working night shift or just out in the ether for the last, however many episodes she's been gone. And now she comes back and it just feels kind of jarring. Also Chicago geography this walkabout that they're at for the lakeshore is nowhere near where the hospital is supposed to be, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Because isn't this up by, like, Fullerton? Yeah. It's, it's the Fullerton Inlet or whatever? Something like that, yeah. I hate that I know <laughs> that rough, just looking at it from how many times I took the bus past that area. I'm actually really proud of you that you know that. <laughs> yeah. If it's the spot I'm thinking of, yeah, it's the Fullerton yeah. uh, Marina. I'd have to rewatch, but... We just watched this last night, and I already forgot, like, half the stuff about it. Way to go. Oh, I'm a champion. What happens next, Lauren? Uh, Romano, Benton, and Corday are working up in surgery, and Romano says it might be Benton's last cardiothoracic surgery. And he continues to float the fellowship in front of Lizzie to rub it in Benton's nose, that rub Benton's nose in it, that he's missing out. And um, then Jerry tells Carrie someone is calling about their little John Doe, um, Antoine comes back in, continuing to have a rough one, because he jumped the kid that mugged him this morning. He looks a hot mess. He broke his left wrist and both hands. He's going to need stitches and surgery, too, to fix both his orbital socket and his hands. Um, and he's definitely going to miss his interview now. Carter goes off on him about how he blew it, and he can't do any of the summer programs because he can't frickin' use his hands. Their hands-on programs, and he won't be able to use his hands for at least six weeks. And Chuni then yells at Carter for being a dick. She's like, Dr. Carter! Dr. Carter! Mm. Dr. Carter! And after the third time, John's like, fine. Fine. And leaves. Very dramatic. But good on Chuni for just being like, this kid just got the shit beat back out of him. Can you, like, give him a minute? He was very proud of himself, though, in the in the beginning of the this interaction. Antoine? Though. Yeah, Antoine yeah. was very proud of himself. He's like, yeah, I got him back. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah, but what is up with Carter in the last you know two episodes? Like, just has taken his like self righteous shit and like cranked it up to. 10. You know what it is? He's filling the Doug Ross White Knight void. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe he sees that there's a, a need that needs to be filled within the ER, and he's gonna be the one to do it. Uh, but the turns out the call earlier for John Doe for the it weird, feels weird calling the I know. kid a John Doe, I, and I feel like it should be like. I'm not going to say Jack Doe. <laughs> Johnny. But like Johnny Doe. Should, yeah. It should be something like John Doe just seems like such a like, grown-up name for like this yeah. sort of thing. But I agree. I've been thinking <laughs> that every time I say it. I'm like, that's why I say our child John Doe. Timmy yeah. Doe. 
Uh, Timmy Doe. There we go. <laughs> but it turns out that call was uh, the grocer, the grocer from earlier. Grosh. Grocer. Grocer. It turns out that call though was uh, from the grocer earlier. Uh, she's just checking on the kid. It's making sure he's okay. And uh, Carrie wonders if he was abandoned because of the shunts, you know, the need for extra care. Well, which so, you know, heartbreakingly parallels her story of, you know, potentially being put up for adoption because of her disability. And it's just mm, so sad. Poor Carrie. Just want to give her a hug. Uh, We go back up to psych. Uh, Seth is done with therapy. Uh, That's the last we'll see of Seth. We will not be seeing him again. Uh, Lucy did finally call the attending in to assist and he praises her for admitting uh, when she was in uh, in over her head on this Uh, but she does own up to being late to the session Uh, so you know points to her for accountability I love that the the attending's like you can't do that this kid's been like abandoned you can't do that yeah he starts off like it's like he starts off praising her for like being like no this is good like most students don't want to admit when they're in over their head but then when she comes clean about the the tardiness thing like then he's like well that though that can't happen like it's he the patient is still very much at center front and center for them all right let's go to our next audio clip then uh romano and corday are discussing the cardiothoracic fellowship now from the sublime to the utterly mundane but then the appendectomy is our bread and butter isn't it maybe not i do cardiothoracic yeah so what do you think I think you are not a bastard for mentioning it to me in front of Peter. He's a big boy. It was mean. Well, you was mean to me first. He led me on to think that he wanted the cardiothoracic, and then he took trauma. Nevertheless, it was bad form to speak to one colleague in front of another about a sensitive matter. Sheesh, talk about being sensitive. Robert. Donald! How was your Whipple, you lucky dog? A long six hours, that's how. Which is why I wasn't able to find you earlier. You initiated this uh, code phone system down in the ER? Yes, sir. For what purpose? Uh, Patients' families can't sneak in calls to their relatives in Hoboken. (laughs) Which I believe is not a big problem. No, no, but you want to know what is. Employee personal calls. This allows us to track all the outgoing calls internally. That way, we uh, don't have to wait for the phone bills to arrive, so to speak. Ah, I see. Uh, Big brother is watching kind of thing. Well, monitoring might be a better word. Have you so little respect for the people who work here? Sometimes very long hours and not a great deal of pay? I don't see it that way. Well, I do. So if you would be so kind as to take your code phone system and put it with a son. Good. Point taken. Oh, I would love to boil that moment down and spread it on toast. (laughs) That's an interesting way to do that. But yes, that is an intensely satisfying moment. I love the, do you have so little respect? Yep. Who knew? Comrade Anspaugh. Yep. Workers rights. He's like, come on, they get paid shit. They have to work long hours. Let them call their family if they're on the clock. Fuck off. Let them spend 20 cents There's of the, there's, if that. there is so much to love in that minute and a half there. Just, you know, Elizabeth with one of the best British bastard, uh, mm-hmm. readings you'll ever get. Uh, Romano's like kind of like mocking sing songy thing of like, mm, he was mean to me too. Like that's, that's 
perfect in its own way. And then Anspa with the killer, like just coming in and just uh, putting him right in his place. I will say I have been Romano before. Just when somebody starts going up on my shit and just been like, got it. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, just stop. cutting them off. Yeah. The, the whole thing just, I, I love it. I love it so much. It's a perfect, perfect moment. This is a I will now, 1 I will, 1A moment from uh, earlier. This I will episode. now refer to him as uh, Comrade Dr. Anspar. <laughs> Comrade Donald. Comrade Donald. Oh, no. There we go. No, I don't know. No, I don't, yeah. no. Comrade Anspar. Yep. Comrade no, Anspar. Damn. Damn it. <sighs> so we go from there to the lounge where Yosh and Lucy are in the midst of talking about Carol being pregnant. I love the, the running underplot in this episode of how Yosh can't get over carol being pregnant and has to tell everyone he comes in contact with (laughs) like that's one of the best like low-key subplots in this episode is that yosh is so excited to tell everyone he meets that carol is pregnant uh lucy promises not to say clearly distracted promises not to say anything um and takes what we assume is her ritalin from her bag in her locker she takes some pills we assume it's her ritalin uh, she then runs into Carter, phys- literally runs into him as she's exiting the lounge, and he's all like pissy about spilling his coffee, and then shames her for her performance and says that he can't hold her hand while she adjusts. Glad to see that you're getting better, Derek John. Then we go over. Benton drops off some files, and Lizzie tells him she thought Romano was a complete ass earlier for rubbing the fellowship in his face like that. And he tells Lizzie about the Germany thing with Carla and Roger. So he is getting better about opening up about what's going on with his family. So good on him, Benton. Good on you. And then uh, Jerry gives Carol a fax. And Carol says, by the way, I know you know. To which Jerry is the the perfect line. I am a complete walking lack of information. The moodiest of moods. (laughs) That That is my being just perfectly encapsulated i would love that stylized on a mug i am a complete walking lack of information so i have i have two moods for my work mugs i have whose films are those when i want to feel all powerful that's right and then i can have i am a complete walking lack of information for when someone pulls me into a meeting i don't want to be in. there you go Daniel, get the stickers go. <laughs> me and angela we'll talk yeah um but then Carrie is with Timmy Doe, and I always love her with children. I'm sorry. Just, we said we were doing it. That's true. It. Doing just, it. just the very consistent theme. Timmy Doe. Timmy Doe. Uh, I always love her interacting with kids. It really shows the warmth and just heart that Carrie actually has. And just, ugh, excellent, wonderful. Just, mm, chef's kiss for Carrie. We find out his name is Jack. Toberin? Toberin, and Car- Toberin. Carol comes in with the info. Um, he was kidnapped three weeks ago by the nanny and the drugged out boyfriend. So the parents are super relieved and are on their way back to um, get him. And uh, I want to point out here a little trivia bit that the the boy here, uh, his name is Jack Toberin, and uh, the character's name uh, is taken from the show's editor at the time, uh, Jackie Toberin. So little... Yeah. Okay, I read that as Jacques. So, yeah, did, so, did, so I. did I, but then I, based on other things that I read, it's very hard to track down whether or not this person is a woman or a man. Um, and based on the things I read, I think it is a woman. So I'm going to assume it's Jackie and not Jock. But it is spelled like Jock, J-A-C-Q-U-E. But I'm happy to be corrected on that. Um, I took a little bit of issue with this of just like, I guess this is still the late 90s, but we are also like post- uh 
John Benet Ramsey thing. Like I find it, yeah. I find it hard to believe that a like two or three year old white child in a major American city like Chicago went unnoticed for three weeks that like there wouldn't have already been information about this disseminated to all the local hospitals and all the local, you know, medical facilities that they wouldn't have flagged this kid the second he walked in the door of like, Oh, that's the missing kid we've been looking for. Got kidnapped by his nanny. Like that part didn't quite jive for me, but you know, happy. This kid's going to be okay. Happy. He's going home. Very cute little kid. Uh, we go from there. Uh, Benton shows up to pick up Reese from Carla's place. Hmm. Uh, babysitter is excited to see him show up because uh, she's got other plans. Uh, so she is more than happy to pass him off to Benton so she can get off work early. And uh, Benton kind of makes some hand wavy statements about, you know, oh, Carlo will be home late and she wanted me to come get him early. This will factor in in a little bit, but... Uh, Benton might have other ideas at this point. And then we go for one last talk with uh, Carter and Antoine. Antoine's like, she's Antoine says, she's acting like I'll never play the violin again. About Says that about his mom. And Carter, having maybe having a little self-awareness, says, I suspect she does a better job of appreciating you for who you are. And Antoine does regret blowing the internship as he's being wheeled up to surgery. Cause he's got to have a, he has pin, this pins placed in mm-hmm. one of his hands. Yeah. And they said, cause of the fracture. Type. They said he's going to be in a cast from above his elbow all the way down to his fingertips for the next yeah. six weeks or so. So, and presumably he goes off to be a cop in Baltimore after this, uh, decides to forego medicine altogether and join the Baltimore police department as an undercover drug cop. Watch the wire. It's an amazing show and he's a great character on it. <laughs> we do have HBO max. Uh, then Mark and Lizzie are running out the door for the fundraiser, but they both, like, um, stop when they run into Carol, and they're like, oh, shoot, I forgot something, I forgot something, and they run back towards the, um, towards, like, the main part of the ER for a second, and Carol walks out to see everyone in the ambulance bay, wishing her a happy surprise, and Malik offers to be her Lamaze coach, which is just absolutely wonderful. She's like, all right, you're it. Great. And she announces that it's twins and everybody's super happy and it's a very cute moment. <sighs> I wish they'd have followed through on that. I really wish that we could have gotten <laughs> Malik the Lamaz coach. That would have been great. Uh, we then go back over to Benton's place where Benton and Reese are just chilling, hanging out, listening to music as the phone rings and the machine picks up and it's Carla leaving a message for Benton looking for Reese. So Benton might have done some light some light kidnapping who knows who can really say? i guess we'll find out next season yeah but let's uh wrap up season five uh with our last scene here which we have an audio clip for uh mark and corday are at the pier so we missed the boat no oh, well cruises are overrated anyway <laughs> shall we so what's been going on. See, the thing is, I'm not exactly sure what has been going on. What do you mean? Look, Peter and I jumped into something rather quickly, and when it wasn't working, we both jumped out. Is it still unresolved? No, 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 it is. Uh, 
thing is, you and I have been seeing a lot of each other, and it's, uh, it's been great. But uh, it's not anything that I was looking for, and it's caught me off balance, rather, which I'm not used to. It makes me rather nervous. Elizabeth, I don't... I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know how I feel. And I feel like... I found something... amazing. And I want to be here. I want to get to know you. And not be scared. I would hate to miss another boat. All right. Now that Daniel's done rolling his eyes all the way back to <laughs> all the way to Chicago from Minnesota. I didn't think his tongue could stick out that far. Yeah. Uh, we all learn something new about everyone every day. Green day, green day, uh, green day. <laughs> this is the sappiest shit and most saccharine shit ever. But my heart, my heart loves it. Hey, Lizzie. Even if I know it's a really dumb dialogue and they could have how, written this a lot better. How much would you die if in our wedding vows I snuck in? I don't want to miss another vote. <laughs> I probably wouldn't remember what the fuck you were talking about because uh, I barely. That's true. Apparently, I barely remember most of this show. Oh. I thought I remember this happening differently, but I guess not. It's, it's an objectively silly piece of dialogue, that's for sure. Yeah. Also, Daniel, you wagging the sticker on while that dialogue was going on <laughs> made it 80 times better. Yeah, but yay. There this we is, go. Little... This is the moment Lizzie's been waiting for since we started doing this. This was the moment. All right, now I can finally wake up and get all the hot takes again and <laughs> reinvigorated. This, this is the moment that Lizzie envisioned when she had the idea to do this. To get through five seasons of bullshit first to get to the stuff she wanted to talk That's about. That's right. <sighs> Six, seven, eight. My favorite seasons. We're here, baby. <sighs> so, for my money, this is the best finale that we've had so far. <laughs> okay, that I'm not, that I'm is not certainly a thought. Dan- <laughs> Daniel's I, face was what got me, not you. I love it. I think no, I thought I think this is a really good episode. No, it is. It is a very good episode. It is not a very good finale though. Like it is uh, it, okay. a I'll, middle I'll, of the I'll, season episode. If this was 15, 16, 17, I'd be like no. A plus. I'm jumping in this time because I never get to go first or second on these anymore. I'm gonna say I think the be- the reason this works as a finale for this season, and I talked about this a little bit on our group chat, but I'm gonna go into it a little bit more here, is because we had such a dramatic and over-the-top mid-season with Doug's departure yeah. that it's kind of a breather and it gives that fresh slate feeling for going in and saying, okay, we're ready for Carol to have her babies. We're ready for Lucy to get her shit together, find out what's going on there. Uh, the power structure in the ER is shifting a little bit as you know Romano is starting to interfere more. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see what happens with Benton and Reese. It sets up all those major players for next season without being so over the top because of how over the top the middle of the season was. So I think it works really well. Yeah, like I really like that there actually like wasn't like something huge. With the content of this episode, 
I don't think it would have come across as well if there had been like a bus explosion. No, 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 like, no, no. Yeah. Or something, or something like don't that. Don't get me wrong. I love the big season cliffhangers. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but oh my god, this so, was great. Yeah. Next season's next season's finale is probably my favorite of all of them. That's Rampage, right? Yep. Is that Rampage. six or seven? I'm so proud. Is that six or seven? Is that six? I thought that I was. I think that might be oh, seven. Oh no, you're right. It is seven. It is seven. But still, I was wrong. no, yeah. It, it, oh no, six's finale is yeah okay with the yeah Carter yeah, yeah. And Carter's thing yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. it it just you know, and 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 I do I do sort of agree with. I do sort of agree with Lauren's point about the middle of the season being so chaotic and so dense that you probably do need something a little bit softer to round off the edge of the season to not, you know, you don't want to blow your wad with the audience. Like you don't want to like go yeah. over the top. So I, I, you're right. I don't need an exploding bus. I don't need, you know, some of the crazy shit that we would get in later seasons that did start to get a little bit shark jumpy. <laughs> like it was, it got a little ridiculous there towards the end, but it does just feel extremely quaint by finale standards. Like it is, it's sort of like, again, I think the Carol revelation as, as sweet as that moment is in the ambulance bay, like I do sort of think that the Carol revelation probably should have been the moment to close the episode. I don't know how that would have obviously thrown off just about everything else by putting it at the end of the episode. So you're, you're unraveling a lot of threads by doing that. But for me, that's probably that, or maybe the Benton thing. Like maybe Benton, yes, yeah, quasi kidnapping his own son. That might have been a strong enough beat to end on. But as yeah. sweet of a moment as that was for Mark and Elizabeth, I don't think that's a season ender. Like it, it, as a viewer, that doesn't leave me going, "Oh, I can't wait to see what happens next season." To me, it was just like, yeah. "Oh, that was a sweet moment. Can't wait to see what happens next week." Oh shit, I have to wait six months. Like. You know, like to me, that was just like a quaint, you know, like that's an episode 18, 19 or like, you know, well, cool, big moment. But all right. What happens next? Like, I don't know, but not a bad episode. Uh, actually, a, a really good episode, a very, very solid, you know, a minus mm-hmm. episode. Were it yeah. anywhere else in the season, if it was not the last episode of the season where for me, it just kind of ends in that B solid B, B minus territory. This yeah. is this is 8.5 or 9 for me. Yeah, it's a solid it's a solid 9 out of 10 for me. And I do agree. I That's wh- why I take a point off from it is because I do agree that Mark and Corday at the end doesn't quite fit. Yeah. I would have preferred Ben and Reese, like just flip those two scenes. Yeah, I think that would have and would have done it for sure. It, 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 it but, really, yeah. it, it's funny to me though, thinking back to how season four ended and how we at the time were so like, Oh, this is kind of a quaint ending to season four. Like by by comparison to some of the other things that we've seen, and like <laughs> that seems like fucking you know ER does Vegas compared to this. Like this, <laughs> that seems like an event episode compared to this. This is so like ho hum, kind of quiet. Nothing really too important happens. You know, we get some some major revelations, but like who is our? I, I guess it's the, the Timmy Doe. Like Timmy Doe is our most important patient this episode. Yeah, and that's a yeah. very like ho hum storyline. It's, awesome. it's yeah, it's it's great. It, it yeah. has a happy ending and everything, but like, you know, he doesn't talk. Like he he's not a. <laughs> we don't learn anything about him. We don't you know get to like make any connection with him beyond he's cute, and I don't know. It just. But still, I'm, I, I really enjoy it. I wouldn't say like I love it. But like I really enjoy it, and I think, given every, I think like what Lauren said was, I'm basically just gonna parrot Lauren's point again. So, Lauren, what did the listeners have to say about it, and why am I wrong? <laughs> uh, 
That Baker gal says, it's not the best finale, but I like it. If only for Mark and Elizabeth officially getting together at the end. It also shows Carrie at her best with the little boy. And I just like it, honestly. Uh, SMB for the win says, let's all get the popcorn out and rewatch Romano getting dressed down by Anspa about the phone code system over and over again. Elizabeth's evil smirk is wonderful. I can see her roasting over an open fire with that look. Um, Basic Mall says, again, Mama Carrie Weaver with the little boy. Just Carol. I love that moment when she gets with Mark and Lizzie where she finds out about her twins. I also love Carol knowing what's up with Mark and Lizzie, which I love the little talk they have. And then they kissed her in the season. That's my fangirl voice. Just for you, Maul. Um, Lizzie has to hear that a lot in this house. Uh, Vika Rena Stan says, Stan, Vika Rena Stan says, Carter explaining to Lucy how he is actually superhuman and lack of sleep didn't affect him at all. When really Lucy first met him, he was sleeping on the job and bitching about not getting enough sleep to Dr. Green. Not to mention, he did that a lot when he was a student. Carter, a hypocrite? No. Not in the slightest. Um, At EA McDougal says, Great moments. Carrie helping the little boy. Carol finding out she's having twins. Anspa ripping Romano a new one. The party in the ambulance bay. And the Mark Elizabeth smooch. I wish Malik really was Carol's Lamaz coach. Missed an opportunity there. B plus, A minus. And at the full-time dad says, ER season finales typically fall into two categories. You're sweet, things seemingly fall into place, and hope springs eternal finales like seasons one, two, three, Carol and Doug kissing and Carter leaving surgery, not Mark becoming Michael Douglas and falling down, five and 15. And the action-packed, holy shit, I didn't see this coming, cliffhanger conclusion finales that dominate the middle stretch of the show. I'm a fan of the latter, and maybe it's just the fact that those are right around the corner colors my opinion. But I am just not a huge fan of this one. Aw, Carol's having twins. Aw, Green Day is official. Aw, they found Jack's parents. It's all so insipid and saccharine. (laughs) Perhaps the most... Oh my god, Aaron, are you channeling my soul on a typical day? This is the one time I'm letting it slide that everything was so cute. Um, Perhaps the most intriguing thread gets totally underplayed. Peter essentially committing custodial interference to keep Reese in Chicago. Overall, it's an okay episode, but count me among the folks eager to see a strung-out Carter whisked away to the Atlanta rehab with his mentor by his side, or Mark, spoilers, or Mark essentially commit criminally negligent homicide in coming season's finales. Damn, Aaron. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we, gotta get him, we gotta get him to guest for me one day, because he's nailing it where I'm just running rampant, so... Just, just have Aaron fill in. We my don't, place we don't need him to show it. We don't need him to show us up. We're yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> once in a while is fine because it, it just, it's a chef's kiss, but all the time, and people will realize we're not that great at what we're doing. <laughs> uh, uh, we don't know what we're doing. That's the secret to everything. Hey. That's the secret to everything in life, really. But that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening for the, through today and for this entire season. Uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash saying the tone podcast for only one dollar a month you can get access to our show notes each week for only five dollars a month you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk jerry two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews and over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content including the full season recap episodes season five coming next week a bonus show called the lounge where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives at that moment Movie reviews, where we talk about the movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Slaying the Tone Podcast, 
and we are at Saying the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter, ranting and raving about anything and everything, at lobob92345. See, you just get the Twitter version of that. I get the real-life version of everything. Twitter blue. There you go. <laughs> and you can also find me on Twitter, championing comrade uh, Anspa. I'm at randomgamer, that's jm 3 r as well as on the Pop of the Courts YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. That game never ends. The episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find that, those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.